Welcome to the Capitol Beach. My name is Derek Brockbank. I'm the executive director of Coastal States Organization, and I'm excited to be coming to you today from Long Beach, California. Uh, Today's pod is a little different from my usual podcast. It's not going to be a policy-focused podcast. I'm not speaking to an insider in Washington, D.C., uh, but rather, I'm stepping into the role of our uh, frequent guests on ASPN, Tyler Buckingham and Peter Ravella, and I'm bringing you a podcast on American Shore and Beach Preservations Association's National Coastal Conference. Um, so this is not a policy podcast, but a conference podcast. And I'm going to be speaking with six guests today from a wide variety of coastal backgrounds. Some are policy, some are engineers. Some have been doing coastal work for decades, and I have one who's a first-year grad student, so it should really be an interesting assortment of coastal practitioners. Um, Really excited to be doing this podcast, and in full disclosure, I used to be uh, the American Shore and Beach Preservation Association Executive Director. Many of my listeners probably know that, but I'm also still involved with ASBPA. As a year ago, about a year after I stepped away from ASBPA, I was invited to join the ASBPA Board of Directors. And so this is really a a personal podcast for me as I'm talking to friends, mentors, and colleagues about an organization and a conference I care deeply about. And since it is a bit more uh, personal, I guess, I wanted to share why I see my role as Coastal States Organization Executive Director as not only compatible with sitting on the ASBPA Board of Directors, but enhanced by it. I know sometimes organizations that are both, uh, you know, in coalition together, but also can seem competitive. You go, well, why... Why would, uh, why would I be you know, affiliated or, or in the leadership position on both? And, and here's why. And it really comes down to who the organizations represent, who the members are. ASBPA represents primarily, there's a, a wide variety of, of members, but it primarily represents the industry who do coastal restoration, that do coastal enhancement, and the local governments that are responsible for maintaining shorelines. So it's industry and local government. Coastal states organization, as the name implies, represents states, the coastal zone management agencies within each of the nation's 35 coastal states and territories. So you've got these two different but aligned uh, member entities, uh, stakeholders, if you will, but the interests of the two organizations overwhelmingly align. And I believe the more we as a community can be aligned, the more politically powerful we are. And so if I can help bring the organizations closer together, I actually think the coastal community benefits. Um, But enough about me. Let's turn to the conference. Uh, The ASBPA conference was held uh, this year in Long Beach, California, as I mentioned, on September 14th to 16th with the theme of sand, surf, and sediment. Right? That probably sums up ASBPA pretty well, sand, surf, and sediment. Um, ASBPA's conference is always national, but it also always has a regional flavor. And the taste of California has been missing from ASBPA for too long. The 2020 conference was supposed to be in Long Beach. It would have been the first time in a decade that uh, ASBPA conference had been out on the West Coast. But of course, the 2020 uh, conference was canceled or, or moved to an online conference uh, due to COVID. But we came west this year, and it has been quite uh, quite an experience, quite an excellent conference. Um, it is has been a hybrid conference, um, and I, I have to give a lot of credit to the ASBPA staff who've been organizing the conference and leading the, uh, the technology and the, the program. Uh, that's Brad and Leslie Pickle and Annie Mercer. They just did a phenomenal job with logistics. Um, I've been in person but heard from our online attendees that it has gone seamlessly, and I'm looking forward to seeing some of the presentations that I missed in person after the fact um, online. Uh, But I will say this conference to me as an in-person attendee really felt like an in-person conference. I think about 75% of the attendees were in person, and nearly all the presentations have been presented live, just a handful that uh, that had sent in videos or recorded PowerPoints. So really very much an in-person conference. Um, and I got to say, the, the representation, the participation from folks out on the West Coast, folks from Hawaii has been phenomenal. Um, I'm an East Coaster, uh, born and raised and have lived on the East Coast pretty much my whole life. I spent a, a little bit of time in the Great Lakes in college, and I spent a good chunk of time in the Gulf when I was doing work on Louisiana, but haven't really spent a lot of time out out West. And so I have learned a lot about beach, beach and coastal management along the Pacific. The conference, I got to say, also really merged coastal science and policy and actually even economics, um, coastal economics, as well as any CSO conference I've been to. 
ASBPA talks about their their goal or their purpose of being merging science and public policy, and I think the conference really did a good job of that. This was definitely not just a you know coastal engineering and coastal geologist facing off conference. Um, you had you had all sorts of different disciplines, really um, the broad spectrum of coastal management. So really appreciate it. Um, and of course, as with any good conference, the networking and relationship building I think is as important as the material. I think maybe even more so in the, the past year when we're finally getting back to seeing each other in person, being able to have those hallway conversations, being able to chat over a beer or a, you know some chips at the end of the day. So I really like that. And I'm really, uh, I hope I can bring a little bit of that to you today as I speak with some of the attendees. Um, but before we dive into interviews, I wanted to give a quick shout out to our sponsors. Um, sponsors, as, as y'all know, are the absolute um, lifeblood of conferences, of our organizations, and of this podcast. So, uh, you know, do thank those sponsors, uh, take advantage of their, of, of the services they provide, and please support them and tell them that you, you know, you saw them at ASBPA or you heard them on ASPN. So thanks to our sponsors. The American Shoreline Podcast Network and Coastal News Today are brought to you by Geodynamics, an ND5 company specializing in providing accurate surveys of complex coastal environments worldwide. Driven by marine geology, coastal science, and remote sensing, our researchers use the latest technology to provide meticulous data products to support our clients and answer their toughest questions. Geodynamics carefully designs and executes a variety of hydrographic, geophysical, sub-bottom, and near-shore surveys using our fleet of customized vessels and sensor configuration. You can find us at nv5geospatial.com. Geodynamics, delivering solutions, improving lives. Be sure to subscribe to the Coastal News Today Daily Blast newsletter for our latest updates from around the American shoreline. Like what you're hearing and want to support the network? Sponsorship packages are now available. Go to coastalnewstoday.com slash advertising to learn more. And our first guest today is going to be Susan Brodeur. Susan is the senior coastal engineer for Orange County Parks, OC Parks. Maybe I'm dating myself, but I always, whenever I hear OC Parks, I always think back to that that soapy drama from the, when was that, the early 2000s, the OC. But she's done a phenomenal job helping manage um, parks all along uh, the southern coast of California in the Orange County. She also uh, recently stepped in to be the chair of ASBPA's Government Affairs Committee. So really excited to talk to her a little bit about her job and what, um, what her connection is with ASBPA. Welcome, Susan. Thank you for joining me. Why don't you tell me a bit about uh, what you do for Orange County Parks? Sure, of course. Glad to be here. Yeah, so I'm a coastal engineer. Uh, my um, current division is within OC Parks. We've gone through several different reorganizations, and that's where I currently reside. Typically, it's um, around property ownership. And so at the county, uh, Orange County has three harbors that we generally oversee. And several beaches that are within the jurisdiction of OC parks. And so a lot of the things that I do um, revolve around either projects. When I first started at the county, one of my major projects was an ecosystem restoration project with the Corps of Engineers. Um, that's been completed, but typically now it's related to uh, maintenance issues, beach issues, depending on water quality, erosion. Um, I work a little bit with the Marine Protected Area Council, kind of run the whole gamut, so it keeps it interesting. Cool, so an all-purpose beach manager. Um, what do you see as the advantage for you professionally and for Orange County Parks to have you participate in ASBPA? Sure, so... Uh, I don't know if you, I've ever told you this, but ASBPA has always been like a cornerstone of my career. Uh, when I was a student at Florida Atlantic University, my first conference that I went to as a student was ASBPA. And at that time, I met um, people from industry, and that's where I got my first job and moved out here to California, started working for a consulting firm. Uh, and then it just expanded from there. So I feel like I've always been involved somehow with ASBPA, eventually uh, became a board member of CSBPA, was president and was able to attend 
a lot of the ASBPA um, meetings as being president. And now being a board member of ASBPA um, and tasked to lead the Government Affairs Committee, it's kind of just been a good progression uh, of my career. But the advantages, I think, to anybody that's involved, you really just get the, how do I say, like insider information. You get to see the, the trends in the industry and you get to meet people that are doing some really incredible stuff, uh, not just within the state, but across the whole country. So you're kind of involved in the latest technologies, thought processes, ideas, and then you make these relationships uh, that uh, each year, wherever it's held, you get to rekindle a lot of those old relationships and it's good to see people again. And just the networking, the ability of the networking um, has just uh, improved everything as far as I can tell on my career path. Awesome, I didn't know you had sort of started at ASBPA and then moved to Orange County. And you mentioned the uh, moving, the conferences moving around. We are in your backyard for the first time in, gosh, almost a decade, I think. Can you tell us a little bit about what you have found to be the best part of this conference and, and why you think it's uh, good to have a conference out on the West Coast every now and then? So my overall uh, impression so far, I, I'm just really impressed with the level of interest by the younger members now. Um, the uh, student, new professionals, uh, uh, group has just, I don't know, it, it makes me feel uh, like good that this tradition is continuing and people are getting involved. And I, I think for a while it felt like we were just talking to each other, but now with getting the students and the universities and younger professionals involved. I, I think it's really exciting because they're doing a lot of great stuff too and being on the cutting edge of some of these technologies. So, so I guess that's my first overall impression of how this the conference has been playing out is just noticing a lot of the new faces and the enthusiasm. That's been really great to see. Excellent. And tell us, there have been so many presentations from California, from the West Coast. Has anything struck you from in your experience that um, California or Orange County or what's happening here on the West Coast that you think is uh, innovative or unique or you'd like to see taken across the country elsewhere? Lessons from California. Yeah, I, I, I've uh, attended a couple of the presentations. Um, some of them have been standing room only. I've seen the presentations mostly around the nature-based uh, technology and and the new um, ideas around natural and nature-based solutions has really taken off. And I, I think the interest on that as well. Um, and I don't know if there's now because it looks like um, a lot of the policy and funding is geared towards, uh, like even mentions the nature-based solutions, um, that there is a lot of interest in that. I, I think there are some examples that uh, have been presented and a lot of lessons learned. And um, I, I think there's interest in that in developing more of those type of projects here in California. Excellent. Well, thank you for joining me today, Susan. Uh, appreciate it and appreciate all the great work you're doing uh, here on the West Coast and, and within Orange County. Thanks, Dirk. My next guest is Lee Wisher, who is a senior scientist and retired vice president at the Woods Hole Group. He's also a vice president at ASBPA. Lee was presented the Morrow P. O'Brien Award this year. That is ASBPA's highest honor, named after the legendary pioneer of coastal engineering. Lee has always been a friend, a mentor, and a, and a strong champion of, of, of mine and of the organization and really pushing the organization to advance coastal processes beyond just beach nourishment. Um, looking forward to hearing a little bit from Lee. Lee, congratulations on getting this year's Morrow P. O'Brien Award. It is ASBPA's highest honor. Can you tell me uh, what your thought was when you found out that you'd be receiving it this year? Um, I was very surprised. And uh, I think, as I said in my acceptance speech earlier today, that I, in looking over the people that had won this award, I was very humbled that ASPPA selected me for this award. 
Well, you've been involved in the organization for a while now, maybe not as long as some, but uh, certainly very engaged um, on the officers, on the executive committee. What has what has ASBPA meant to you? Why have you decided to dedicate so much of your time to ASBPA in the past few years? That's a good question, Derek. Um, when I first became associated with ASBPA, it was probably most best known as the Beach Nourishment Conference. And as I became more uh, affiliated with that and devoted more time, I realized that uh, in order for the organization to grow, it needed to diversify. And so uh, at that time, I uh, approached uh, the board and the executive committee with the idea that we needed to expand beyond that. And fortunately, there were several like-minded people there. And so over the years, uh, as in any organization, change has been slow, but uh, we have seen progress. And now with this conference, I think that uh, it has definitely shown the fruits of those uh, efforts. Well, tell us a little about this conference. What what have you found that uh, you've really liked? What have you heard? What do you found really interesting at this conference? Uh, this conference has been somewhat unique in the fact that uh, there's a lot of West Coast uh, input here. Um, we, uh, the organization and our technical conferences move around the country each, uh, each year. And uh, we haven't had much uh, California input. And the California coast is unique in many ways, very different from the Gulf Coast and from the East Coast of the United States. And so it's interesting to see the uh, achievements that they have made uh, in beach nourishment and soft engineering and uh, gray green infrastructure uh, because their approach is, is very different than the rest of the United States. And so it's always nice to see what other folks are doing, what innovations they've come up with. Thanks. Well, why don't you tell me about um, what you might consider some of your bigger accomplishments uh, in, in making some of those changes you wanted to see at ASBPA? Well, I think one of the biggest changes was in hiring you as our executive director. And when we had many applicants for that, um, and uh, to be quite frank with you, you were unknown quantity, but you brought, <laughs> you brought to the table a different view, a different perspective. And uh, while there was initially some discussion, let's say, about whether you would be the best hire. Uh, I was very adamant that uh, we should hire you, and you turned out to be one of the best executive directors we've ever had, and has helped drive the organization in its diversity and drive it forward. Well, thank you, Lee. I appreciate that. My hope was to maybe sort of embarrass you with talking about you and the new award, and it turned it on, you turned it on me. But um, but I certainly I stood on on the shoulders of a lot of giants. I think some of the recent MP O'Brien winners, you, Tony Pratt, um, Joan Pope, I think really have helped shape this organization and, and brought this organization into the 21st century and preparing it for the, you know, the 22nd century. So um, really proud of what's been accomplished. You spoke on your uh, award acceptance speech today about encouraging the younger generation to get involved. I um, was wondering if you could maybe just reflect upon that briefly. Yes. I mean, uh, like any organization, our ASBPA has its, its executive board and its board of directors has um, suffers from the malady that many organizations have. So we have established folks, both men and women, and you know they are getting older. And as a matter of fact, I'm going to age out probably in a couple of years. And so my pitch to our younger members was that you know we really need uh, our younger members to step up and not to be discouraged as they uh, express a desire to become affiliated with the uh, organization and the board of directors. And so we need to have those folks, the new ideas, their energy uh, and their diversity uh, if ASBPA is going to remain relevant. Well, thank you, Lee. Thank you for making ASBPA relevant for the past couple decades and, and we certainly hope I certainly hope I can help be a part of that as a board member now. Um, it's been a real privilege getting to work with you. So thank you for joining me today. Thank you, Derek. It's been a privilege. Thank you. 
Lee has always been very kind to me, but I need to give him and the board of directors um, over the past 10 years and really the executive committee of ASBPA a lot of credit for helping lead the direction uh, lead ASBPA into a sort of new direction. And if I was there to help um, help bring them along, uh, I, I will certainly happily take some credit in that. But I think it was the vision of the executive committee. So great to talk to Lee and, and hear, hear where he's um, here where he's going. Uh, next up is Russ Boudreau, who also has been on the uh, ASBPA Executive Committee, although now he's just a board member. He is a principal coastal engineer with Coastal Frontiers Corporation, um, and he also received an award this year. He received an award from the California Shore and Beach Preservation Association, so I look forward to hearing from him. Well, thank you for joining me today, Russ. Uh, earlier this afternoon, you won the, or earned, or received the uh, Joe Johnson Award from California Shore and Beach Preservation Association. Um, we just spoke with uh, Lee Wisher, who won the Morrow P. O'Brien Award from ASBPA. So maybe you could tell us a little bit about what CSBPA, the California chapter, is. And then after that, tell us a bit about uh, the Joe Johnson Award, who he was and what that means. Right. Well, California Shore and Beach Association is a is the California chapter of American Shore and Beach, and we have much the same goals and aspirations to to maintain and protect and to preserve uh, California shorelines um, for the benefits of not just Californians but for visitors alike, and not just people but for the the environment and the ecosystems. Um, excellent. And then uh, the Joe Johnson Award is named after. Yeah, Professor Joe Johnson, and it has a special meaning for me, a little bit of background. Um, I was a math science guy when I was younger, and when I uh, graduated um, undergrad, I'd asked my advisor what I would be prepared for, and his answer was graduate school. And so I started looking into graduate schools, not knowing what I wanted to do, and I came across Cal Berkeley, had a program with coastal engineering, I applied and got in, and so uh, Professor Joe Johnson was one of the, uh, the pre professors that I worked under as a TA when I started at Cal. And I also came to learn very quickly that these uh, Johnson and others at Cal Berkeley and other places were really the, the pioneers and leaders in coastal engineering and coastal science that really formulated the foundation for all the things we're talking about nowadays with preserving our coastlines and, 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 and how do we adapt for the future. Um, excellent. And uh, it's the Joe Johnson Award sort of the highest award that CSBPA gives out. And you've been working on the California coastline for quite a while. Quite a while. Yeah. <laughs> um, in your in your time here on the California coast, what has uh, inspired you the most or, or, or what what keeps you going? Why do you keep working on coastal protection and restoration out here? Sure. Well, like I say to a lot of people that we're all in this business, that uh, we didn't get into it by accident. You know, it's something that a lot of us are all very passionate about, you know, me certainly with the, the coast and the ocean. So to be able to get into a profession um, that really did things that really mattered for the people, for the environment was really important and special to me. And so to work on projects that you could really see the benefit was very meaningful for me over these 30 plus years that I've been working in California. Um, and one of the beautiful things about it that I would tell a prospective employees or just people considering getting into coastal engineering is that, you know, you're never going to be bored. And uh, just to continue the answer, as far as what really keeps me going now is we've got a lot of problems <laughs> on the future, you know, that are coming. And it's just been so great to see the next generation of younger engineers coming in because we need to solve these problems and we, we need to start now, you know, so that's what keeps me going. That's my enthusiasm to pass on what I benefited from Joe Johnson and others who mentored me. I've tried to do my best to mentor the next generation and pass on the enthusiasm and the, the, the passion about doing something as important as our nation's and our state's coastline. This is the first time uh, ASBPA has been on the West Coast in probably a decade or more. Um, what has struck you from this conference? What are, what are you going to take away from this conference? Uh, I would say a lot of just um, uh, optimism. Um, and I've been, I'm generally an optimistic person, but some of the times lately with news about the environment and climate change and melting glaciers, you get a little bit 
discouraged but about what are we going to do about this. But then I learn a lot from, for example, I learned an interesting um, bit of information about a beach in Florida where they said the beach nourishment that they've done would would basically be enough to hold their, their uh, 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 sandy beach up through 2100 and beyond, which tells me that the, these problems are solvable, you know. And so to um, that's one takeaway. And then, as I mentioned, with the, the, the younger uh, folks coming in and really seem, you know, passionate and driven and kind of um, seem to really grasp kind of the importance of the problems we're trying to solve. And I've just been really impressed. And so that's that's probably the most positive thing I've gotten out of this conference so far. Well, thank you, Russ. Appreciate you joining me today and, and enjoy the rest of the conference. Absolutely. A pleasure talking to you and to talk about CSBPA and ASBPA. Great. Thank you. Yeah, thanks. Now we're going to move from our engineers more into our policy component. Uh, we had a nice chat with three coastal engineers, but now we are going to talk to Julie Minerva, who is a partner at Carpian Clay, which is a firm in Washington, D.C., and serves as ASBPA's government affairs liaison from Washington, D.C., and may be able to provide some tidbits as to what, what ASBPA's government affairs expectations are for the year and maybe even some insider uh, knowledge from Washington, D.C. On, on upcoming policy. Julie, thank you for joining me today. Um, I've had the opportunity to talk to a couple of the board members of ASBPA and some folks who've been with ASBPA for a very long time. You're a little bit newer to the organization. Can you tell me about your role with ASBPA? Absolutely, and thanks for having me on, Derek. So I do government affairs for ASBPA, and I have the pleasure of being their eyes and ears in Washington, D.C. So it's my job to make sure that ASBPA and its members are up to speed on what's happening in Capitol Hill as well as at the agency level. Um, fantastic. And we've talked to a, a couple engineers and geologists. Uh, you bring the policy perspective. Uh, I've had the pleasure of working with you off and on for the past few years. Um, and in some ways, you sort of picked up some of the government affairs work that I was doing. But could you talk to us a bit about ASBPA's government affairs priorities um, for this year and, and the sort of immediate future? Sure. And you left some pretty big shoes. So I'm working, working very hard to fill them. But first and foremost, uh, the association has really been focused on passage of the Water Resources Development Act. And what I think is really exciting about WARDA 2022 is that the heart of the bill is the Shore Act. So for the first time, we are really seeing coastal priorities front and center. So getting that bill through Congress and to the president's desk for signature is a top priority. But we're also really looking at funding opportunities. And with the historic level of funding that we've seen come through both the bipartisan infrastructure law, as well as the more recent Inflation Reduction Act, implementation of that funding is key. So making sure that we are working with our partners at the US Army Corps of Engineers and NOAA and other agencies to make sure that that money gets put to good use and quickly. Um, all really important points, and I think there's been other legislation too. Looking at WERDA, as we record this, it has passed the House and the Senate, and they are working on conference. Maybe by the time this comes out, it will have uh, passed. But could you talk maybe a little bit more about the importance of the Shore Act, why why this bill is such a coastal WERDA, perhaps even more so than past WERDAs? Sure. And what our listeners can't see is that my fingers and toes are crossed right now that we're going to have WERDA done sooner rather than later. But I think the most important thing is that it elevates coastal communities and shore protections within the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers organization. Right now, when you take a look at how these projects are funded, coastal and flood projects are clumped into the same funding account. And sometimes we see a big imbalance between where that money gets spent. So being able to elevate shoreline projects and coastal communities within the core is a great starting point. And it's that kind of leadership that will help to resonate when the core makes decisions for future budget years. And I'm really excited to see that um, when the president comes out with his FY24 budget, hopefully in early next year, that we might start to really see some of those priorities reflected as a starting point in the president's budget. Absolutely. And building on the, uh, the massive infusion of funding coming from the infrastructure bill, the bipartisan infrastructure bill, Inflation Reduction Act. Um, speaking of moving into next year, uh, at the plenary yesterday, you uh, sort of gave a homework assignment to uh, attendees. And I thought it was really good in terms of how um, coastal advocates or, or just coastal professionals who 
aspire to be coastal advocates can prepare for the incoming Congress in next year. I was hoping maybe you could share some of those thoughts here too. Sure. And I have been known to give homework assignments, um, but um, I do find that people follow through. And I think it is important to be prepared and to think about these things well in advance of advocacy trips to DC or virtual um, meetings, if that's the case may be. But First and foremost, now is a great time to take a look at materials and dust them off. Figure out if you have a change in numbers or a change in circumstances with your project, anything new that you can bring to the table and to really tell the story about your project, those things are really important. Also pulling together maps, um, I talked a little bit about regulatory challenges, and I think one of the really key documents that a stakeholder can pull together if they're having a regulatory challenge is a timeline. Because when it comes to regulatory and permitting issues, you know, oftentimes we hear that it's taking too long, it's not moving fast enough. So if you can say, here's when we submitted, here's when we heard back, we should have heard back six months ago, we haven't. It's that those kinds of really concrete timelines that will help to inspire Congress to reach out to an agency and act and to get the attention of an agency. So I have a much longer list of, of homework, but I think that's enough for today. Well, that's excellent. And uh, I think so glad to have you join me today. This is why I love the ASBPA conference. We have engineers, we have policy folks, all folks who want to work to protect the coast. So thank you so much, Julie. Really appreciate you joining me today. Thank you, Derek. Always good to see you. My next guest is Brennan Banks. He is a first-year uh, grad student at Florida Tech in ocean engineering with an emphasis on coastal engineering and processes. Um, Brennan really is, I think, one of the, the many rock star students um, at this conference, and he is uh, an excellent demonstration of why coastal engineering, the coastal sciences, and the integration of coastal science and coastal policy is really in good hands. Um, we got to speak to some of the folks just now who are probably closer to retirement than the start of their careers. Brennan hasn't even started his career. He's still in, he's still in school, but um, really excited to, to listen to him and, and to work with him over the, the coming years. He's going to be a, 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 real, a real leader in this community. So, Brennan, uh, you've been involved in ASBPA for a couple of years now. Tell us how you first got started in ASBPA. Um, first got started in ASBPA. Um, one of my advisors freshman year in my introduction to ocean engineering class, um, Dr. Irene Watts now, um, she was pretty heavily involved with ASBPA. I believe she held one of the student intern um, positions while she was in grad school herself. And I was just kind of picking her brain of, you know, how I can learn more about coastal engineering. And she directed me towards ASBPA. Um, this was back in 2019, freshman year of, of undergrad at Florida Tech. And so I got in contact with Ken Gooderham and got my first volunteering experience out in um, the uh, Coastal Summit in Washington, D.C. Um, that's right. I remember uh, meeting you there and... and uh who would have thought the freshman is, <laughs> has just stuck with us the whole time? Um, you served as the government affairs intern last year, the coastal advocate uh, winner. Can you talk a bit about what you did as a government affairs intern over the past year? So as the government affairs intern, it was an amazing experience. Uh, I had the privilege of um, working with Bradley Pickle and um, yourself, Derek, on a couple occasions and Julie as well. And um, I was my main responsibility was to take meeting notes um, during our monthly monthly meeting calls with the government affairs committee. Um, I definitely learned a lot, opened my mind up uh, to the coastal policy um, field, which obviously is a huge part of, of what we do. Um, ASBPA's mission really is is to merge the science with, with policy. So that's been a huge part of, I guess, my understanding of, of coastal engineering and uh, I guess our, our why for, you know, what we do, what we do why we do what we do. Been able to work on uh, some really cool projects such as drafting ASBPA's um, letter of support to, to Congress for the Bipartisan Water Resource and Development Act of 2022. So uh, really wasn't wasn't sure, you know, what the dynamics were like, um, you know, between Congress and, you know, how, how these projects are actually um, getting passed. So that was, that was a huge um, experience for me as well. And Probably one of the biggest um, influences, um, you know, on my growth and development so far that the the role had was um, being able to sit in on all of the agency exchange meetings we had at the most previous summit. Um, 
got to sit in with our BOEM um, agency exchange, uh, USGS, USACE, and um, NOAA as well. And just to see, you know, how ASBPA is, you know, taking a role in what the needs are of, of the different agencies was a really cool experience. Excellent. And uh, I, I hear I found out this week that you're joining for round two and going to intern with the Government Affairs Committee again this year. Have you talked to Julie or Susan about what's on, on tap for this year? Um, no, those conversations definitely still need to be held. But um, did talk with Julie last night and, and we'll definitely have those conversations. I'm very excited uh, to be back for another year. Um, I definitely think there's just so much room for me to be involved. Um, I, th- I think I'll there's a lot I can learn. Um, and I think that the Government Affairs Committee will definitely play a big role in, in my thesis work, actually. Um, I'm planning on using a Army Corps model that kind of looks at the benefit-to-cost ratio of beach renourishment projects. It's um, called BeachFX. So I definitely have some people's brains to pick, uh, you know, just for for what, what needs to be included uh, moving into the future of the benefit-to-cost. So I know that's a big topic. And... Excited to see uh, where everyone's opinions are. Yeah, that's uh, absolutely a big topic. Something we've heard a lot about, a lot um, both on the technical side of how do you calculate it, how do you make sure that you're incorporating the right data, but then also in the the, the sort of political side, how does it get used? Um, so really excited to have young engineers who have policy experience working on that. And I certainly hope that um, in addition to the Word a support letter that you helped draft for ASBPA. Pretty soon you can be drafting a, a Word a thank you letter for getting it passed and, and across the president's desk. So I, I do have to ask: ocean engineering uh, background, going for a, a master's or master's or PhD, master's, master's. Um, having some experience in policy. What what would you like to do? How would you like to sort of merge science and policy in your own career? Do you have a vision of where you want to go? I do have somewhat of a vision. Um, I will be, once I graduate, I'll be with the Army Corps of Engineers Jacksonville District and the Coastal Planning Division. Um, I think one of the biggest things about coastal engineering that really drew me to this field was just our ability to have such an impact on whole communities. And um, I think working at the district office will be a great place for me to really see the impacts of my work. Um, So I... I look at, you know, some people presenting uh, this week and I think coastal like resilience managers are, are really like just my, my my idols. I think the work they do is, is really quite amazing. So I guess ultimately I would, I would really love to combine my engineering um, education and, and background with, you know, the policy, the business and, and the community outreach portion of that as well. So kind of full, full encompassing of, of what we do. Brendan, it's lovely to speak with you. Uh, it's been fantastic to see your educational career move forward and, and look forward to working with you in the future. Thanks for joining me. Thank you, Derek. Well, I'm probably embarrassing him by how much I'm I'm singing his praises, but I, I just love Brendan. I think he's he's a, a really smart guy and passionate. And, you know, how often do you get, you get kids, kids, I, I'm showing my age here, but how often do you get students talking about, you know, coastal resilience managers as their role models and idols. I think that's great. I'm really looking forward to working with Brennan Brennan over the coming years. Um, And now I'm going to turn to uh, my final guest, who is a very familiar uh, voice on the pod. Uh, If you listen to any ASPN podcast, you know him. Uh, It's Peter Ravella, who is host of the ASPN flagship pod and founder of the pod network. Peter always has great insights and is a keen observer at conferences. We've had many good conversations about coasts. Both some some have been recorded on pods, some have been over you know beers or or you know late into the night. Uh, really glad to have another conversation to wrap up this podcast and this conference with my good friend Peter Ravella. So Peter, you have been to a number of these ASBPA conferences. Uh, well, first off, do you know how many conferences you've been, and, and what did you like about this one? Well, I, I started going to ASBPA back in the 1990s when I was at the General Land Office in the Coastal Management Program. So uh, I'm not sure what the count is, Derek. I would say north within the double figures by now. And uh, this was a great conference, actually. It's been a while um, since uh, we've had a good turnout because of the COVID uh, downturn. I think, first of all, Long Beach, fabulous spot for the event. And the conference setup here, I think, is the best one. It's intimate here. You know, it's not so, remember at, at 
in New Orleans, the it was so huge. It was very hard to get in close contact with people. This was such a great setup at the Westin Hotel in Long Beach and a fabulous event. Uh, and I think the substance of the conference was also tremendous and interesting this year. Yeah, I'll give a shout out to Long Beach, too. For those of you that think, you know, Southern California, you have to get in your car to go anywhere. Long Beach is eminently walkable. A lot of restaurants and bars. Yeah. Was able to walk to the beach and play volleyball, you know, head out and go for a run along the sand. It was a really nice venue for a conference. So glad to be here. Absolutely right. <laughs> and uh, the other thing I thought was great this year is uh, I think that in the in the plenary session, Hearing from Gary Griggs, one of my favorite people to talk to about the American shoreline. And uh, and I thought the diversity inclusion at the awards luncheon discussion was absolutely interesting and fantastic and important for the organization to highlight. So I was very happy about that. Yeah, I, was, I, I also thought that was fantastic. Really glad to see the organization bring in issues of equity and access. Such, a, such an important beach topic. I mean, it's, it's not just sand and modeling, but something that really impacts how we view and see the beaches and how much of America views and see the beaches is, is whether you can get there. Um, I saw a good presentation uh, from LA County on how uh, historical redlining has continued to drive unequal access yeah. to the beach. Um, you know, in the 30s and 40s, African-American communities weren't allowed to own homes uh, near the coast. And so they have been forced inland and that means beach access has historical systemic racism roots, or, or the lack of beach access has those systemic racism roots. Big, big kudos uh, for ASBPA to highlight that issue and to recognize that racial issues in America affect the coast and the shoreline and beach use. And, and being upfront and open about that history is important. Um, the, the story of Bruce's Beach that was talked about here in L.A. County uh, an African-American-owned beachfront community back in the 20s. They were dispossessed of that property through uh, an illegal imminent domain process. The county and the state of California recently returned that property to the Bruce family. It's an extraordinary story, one we tracked in Coastal News today. But it was great to get here and see firsthand and hear firsthand about that story uh, from the folks at uh, ASBPA brought to the conference. It, it really was. Yeah, we heard from um, Dr. Uh, Ar- D'Artagnan Scorza, who is the uh, executive director of racial equity with LA County. And just hearing the, the challenges, you know, systemic racism is not is not just, you know, people being prejudiced. It's really um, laws that are built into our, our the structure of the way we govern and the way we operate. And he was talking about the challenges of actually having to change state law yes. to allow the county to give back this property that had been illegally seized. So it was it was an illegal action, but they had to get a, a, a Gavin Newsom, the governor, had to sign a law to allow them to give this property back, which was just, you know, phenomenal that they made it happen and phenomenal yep. that it, it worked. It took years of work, but they pulled it off. And that family, the descendants of that family are still here and back in possession of the property their family originally had. So it's a fantastic story. Yep. Another thing I really liked at the conference, um, you know, ASBPA is about merging science and public policy. And I think one of the new things that they've really been, the, the coastal community and scientists have really been doing is figuring out how to use new technology. And in some cases, very simple technology, cell phones, um, to acquire vast amounts of new data. There were two things that I thought were really cool. One was um, uh, some presentations on the use of cell phone data to determine uh, beach use. So looking at yeah. where folks were coming from. It used to be you'd have to, you know, go out and take surveys and talk to people. And now yeah, you count license plate. Remember, you go see how many out-of-state <laughs> license plates there are in the Galveston Beach and how many people were from out-of-state. You don't have to do that anymore. Right now, you just, you know, you reach out to big data and you buy the information of, of where people have been coming from. It's, you know, they kept saying it's a little bit creepy, but it's also really fascinating. And, it you know, you don't get personal data. You don't know no. whose cell phone, but you it's know. It's anonymous, but you can track uh, the influx of people from what parts of the country all over the United States where they're arriving from beaches. It's extraordinarily useful information for uh, resort for coastal community planning and tourism planning, uh, density of use. It's fantastic. And connecting it back to the racial equity, it was one of the presentations was they they talked about how they had uh, looked at a Malibu beach and some of the Malibu beaches, which you think of as sort of the playgrounds of the rich and famous. Yeah. Um, but found particularly during COVID. Folks were coming from all over L.A. County, including some, you know, 15 percent were coming from inland count or inland areas that had historically been, you know, either uh, uh, considered disadvantaged or mm-hmm. low income or um, 
majority minority communities. So it's, yeah. it's you know, these coastal places, when given the opportunity, can really be a, a harbor for the entire community. Yeah, that's big news, actually. And, and, and I think it's encouraging. And the beach is meant to be for all people and for everyone in America. That's what we all talk about. That's why we work to maintain and, and maintain these short spaces for the public. And uh, that data that indicates that these beaches are made available to the public in uh, whatever racial, economic, class uh, people come from lets us know why this work matters so much at ASPPA. Yep. That's the work we got to do. Um, and then the other one I wanted to flag, and I want to hear a bit more from you too, is uh, is this sand snap program. Yeah. So uh, there are the the Army Corps of Engineers is actually looking to develop a nationwide um, database of sand grain size, um, and rather than you know having to hire a thousand people to go out and sample grain size, you can now snap a picture on your phone using any U.S. coin for calibration right. and so anyone can go out go to their local beach go to their local wherever put down a coin and take a photo of um of the sand and upload it and they can use uh imaging technology to determine that grain size so it's a really cool thing we had an event yesterday on the beach here in long beach to do you know to to map the snap the grain size here and encouraging folks to do it all over so Cool, uh, cool way to yeah. get a lot of data on grain size. Well, Brian McFall is here, and he works for Erdic, and uh, the Erdic team down in Vicksburg, Mississippi, developed this technology, citizen science-based, you know, beach sand assessment. Uh, you're right. In the old days, taking samples, sending them to a geologist, getting a written report to tell you what the grain size distribution is in the D50 and all of the characteristics of the material this citizen science uh, application, it's on SandSnap. You can Google it up and take your cell phone the next time you're at the beach and there are instructions how to upload it and you will get the results of the sand analysis within minutes. And they have an amazing database. It's, a, it's such an important thing. I just absolutely love this uh, project and Brian McFall and the other folks who've developed it at Erdic are simply need to be congratulated for this and it's, it's fantastic. Uh, I love the citizen science initiatives that are being done uh, around the country, and uh, this is one of the best ones I've seen. Cool. So you mentioned Gary Griggs. What, talk about him or any anything else that you thought was cool from the conference. Well, you know, I, you know, I'm a big fan of Gary Griggs and, and, and uh, try to run his column uh, that he writes regularly for the Santa Cruz Sentinel uh, on coastal uh, issues in America. Um, you know, Gary gave a startling presentation in the plenary session about the future of the American shoreline, particularly, obviously, in the California coast, where he he is. He's beginning his 51st year. Uh, Derek, can you believe it? This guy has been teaching college for 51 years. He's been at UC Santa Cruz for more than 60. He's a phenomenal guy, uh, incredible uh, body of work and wisdom. But he really said something startling, and I wrote it down in my notes. He said there is, and this was at the end of his presentation, talking about sea level rise and what we're going to face uh, on the American shoreline. But he said, and this is the quote, there is nothing we can do over the long run to stop the Pacific Ocean. That's a very flat and plain statement. And I think in some way we all sort of intuitively know that sea level rise is, is something we cannot prevent uh, but when you look at the property at risk and you understand that the, the shape of that shoreline is going to change significantly over the next 50 to 100 years, we have huge issues ahead of us. And uh, Gary's you know, one of the people who's uh, telling us what's coming our way. Yeah. It was a very, very impressive talk. Humorous and also sobering. Um, yes. <laughs> Uh, so one of the things I love about ASBPA is just the people you get to run into, both old friends. But um, after that conversation, after that presentation, I had a conversation um, with uh, General uh, Jackson, or former, I guess you still refer to him as General Jackson, but former yes. um, uh, number two at the Corps, uh, head of civil works. And um, he's now with a firm. And we were talking about it. And we talked about basically what we're doing in many cases is buying time. Yeah, I think that's what you can reasonably expect, right? Um, there are important initiatives on the shoreline to respond to this problem. Um, as Gary said, what he advocates for, I think what he said at the end of his speech was pretty interesting when it comes to the response strategy. Sober optimism was number one, and aggressive incrementalism <laughs> was the yeah. other thing. And yeah, we're buying time. And, and that's the, important, right? That's, I mean, We have to. You know, it, you, 
We, we, there's more talk about managed retreat uh, than I think I've ever heard at a ASBPA conference. But I think the reality is, is you're going to have, you're either going to have managed retreat or you're going to have unmanaged retreat. And yeah. one is a lot more painful than the other. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, Dr. Rob Young from the Center for the Study of Developed Shorelines is here, uh, is, is, an, is an important voice on that topic and has been talking about the necessity of uh, potentially looking at managed retreat options. We can't, as he says, and I think it's quite true, you can't protect every uh, linear foot of the American shoreline. You can't maintain every beach. Uh, there are limitations financially and in sand and other reasons why. Uh, so we do have to think more assertively about the future. And uh, yeah, it's over the last couple of conferences, it's good to see ASBPA encounter and approach, uh, honestly, that discussion. So it's, I think that's healthy for the organization and healthy for the coastal professionals out there. Well, Peter, I've had a good time, but I actually do need to go catch my flight now. So uh, any any final words of wisdom, any final thoughts from the conference? Well, I, I just, I, a couple of things, Derek. I think it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the American Shoreline Podcast. I'm a huge fan of the Capitol Beach. It is an insightful show, and I'm so glad it's made the transition to your new role at uh, the Coastal States Organization. And a big shout out to my co-host, Tyler Buckingham, on the American Shoreline Podcast. You can't be at the conference this year. Uh, Tyler and I have done this conference for years. He's an absolute star. He runs all of the podcasts on ASP, and I just want to give a big thank you out to Tyler. Uh, we hit our four-year anniversary this September, more than 850 podcasts, Derek. So very proud of the network and all the great hosts on ASPN. And thank you very much for being one of the stars on this network. Well, thank you. And congratulations to you for, for folks who, the, the couple of fans I do have out there, I, I assure you there are some more Capitol Beaches coming. Uh, I've got a, a few lined up with uh, the Environmental Protection Agency. They've been a bit hard to schedule. They have to go through a number of sure. approvals at various different levels, but they'll be coming. Um, and congratulations. Yeah, this is great. I've enjoyed I've enjoyed hosting a uh, probably more of an ASPN podcast than a Capitol Beach podcast at this conference, but yeah. it's been fun. Thank so. you very much, Derek. Have a great week. Yeah, thanks. And to all the listeners, uh, appreciate you listening for the full, uh, full podcast, and, and we'll have more to come. But thank you so much, Peter.